It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Not many good news stories begin in such a bad news way. It happened last month here at Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana. Plagued with violence. Over the course of three days, another fight. 23 students arrested for fighting. Massive police response. But strangely, there hasn't been another incident since. Perhaps in part because of this most unusual crisis intervention team. Nobody here has a degree in school counseling. No majors in criminal justice. No, no. Your qualifications are? Well, Dad, we decided the best people who can take care of our kids are who? For us. So Michael Lafitte started Dads on Duty. We're out doing what we do for our babies. A group of about 40 Southwood dads who now hang out at the school in shifts. Let's go. Today, any negative energy that enters the building has to run a gauntlet of good parenting. What's going on, buddy? You moving fast. I like that horse. I immediately felt a form of safety. We stopped fighting, people started going to class. How could that be? You ever heard of a look? A look? Dads it's have just... the power to do that? Yes. <laughs> not many people know it, but yes. <laughs> let's go, let's go. But it's not just the firm stares and stern warnings. Let's make it to class, my son. It's also the dad jokes. <laughs> they just make funny jokes like, oh, hey, your suit is untied, but it's really not untied. <laughs> and they hate it. They're so embarrassed by it. <laughs> and it's that perfect mix of tough love and gentle ribbing that dads do so well that has helped transform this school. The school has really just been like happy and you can feel it. Which is why the dads plan to keep coming to Southwood indefinitely. Because not everybody has the father figure, the father figure at home. Or a male period in their life. So just to be here makes a big difference. Do you think you stumbled onto something here? Absolutely. I think absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. They'd like to start chapters of Dads on Duty throughout Louisiana. What's up, baby boy? And hope to eventually take on the country. All right. Without a fight. <laughs> Steve Hartman, on the road, in Shreveport, Louisiana. All right, that is, that has to be my favorite story for the last six months. Uh, and these, uh, this is, of course, they, are, they already told you that's in Louisiana. It's a group of about maybe 10 dads. They're all black. I don't know if the school's all black, but maybe so. I don't know. But you just heard them say, you know, the, the students saying the school is a happier place. There's just a lighter feeling. There's like a a spring in our step, and, how, and the reporter asking, well, how do you do that? And the, and the student saying, have you ever heard of the look? And it's just uh, refreshing, isn't it? It just shows you what we've been saying, that uh, children need a father. Children of every race need fathers. Fathers have tremendous impact. And so um, I just think that is a great story, and I wanted to start the show with that today because, heaven knows, uh, we, are, we are in the middle of a battle 
over parental rights, over protecting our children on so many different fronts, whether it's critical race theory or transgenderisms or rapes in bathrooms or just what they're being taught over resting our ability to decide whether our children should be vaccinated, uh, you know, being forced to do things and allow our children to be really wrestled from our our grip. And that's really a battle that we're, we're willing to fight, aren't we? Well, I think about Virginia when I talk about that because they seem to be the tip of the spear right now in so many ways. And I want to tell you a, a few updates about what's happening in Virginia. You will remember that in Loudoun County, a transgendered boy in a dress brutally raped and other things, a girl in a bathroom. Her father went to the school board. He was arrested, went to the school board meeting. Uh, the school board claimed in various meetings that they didn't know anything about any kind of a, they blatantly claimed that there had been no sexual assaults in their bathrooms. And they then roundly passed this bill, or not a bill, but whatever they passed in the school board, whatever they call it, directive, ruling, uh, that children could use the bathroom that comported with the gender that they wanted, and also changing rooms, all of that. And so you know the story. The boy was released, went on to another school, and did the same thing to another girl. So then... There were all these school board meetings where people and parents were so upset. It's happening around the country. Loudoun County is getting more attention, again, because they're near the D.C. market. And so there's more media right there, more people involved with high profiles. So, But that's okay. We're learning, and uh, we're, learning to, we're learning how they're fighting and how they're being effective. So the school board, the National School Board uh, Association, sent a letter out uh, asking the Attorney General of the United States to bring federal law enforcement in and was as claiming that parents are, you know, these parents are like domestic terrorists and need to be brought, you know, under subjection. And so then we have uh, Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, uh, writing a memo saying that we're going to do that and we're going to, uh, you know, assign the FBI uh, to uh, investigate these parents, these threats against school board members and teachers, and on and on it goes. A couple of things I want to say about that. The National School Board Association has issued a memo apologizing for that letter and the process within which it was published. They say that the letter went to the White House without their knowledge, uh, that the President Chip Slavin and President Viola Garcia sent the letter to the White House without approval. Who cares? I mean, it's really technicality. Uh, but they're claiming that at least they're walking, at least they feel the need to walk it back. I will say this. And so um, and then Attorney General Merrick Garland had to testify before Congress, uh, the House anyway, last week. By the way, he'll be having to testify before the Senate this week, so it should be equally grueling. But Mike Johnson from Louisiana uh, grilled him. And I want you to hear the back and forth because it's important. This is clip 11. The question is. The thing that has concerned many of those parents that are showing up at these school board meetings, the, the, the very basis of their objection and their vigorous debate, as you mentioned earlier, is the curricula, the very curricula that your son-in-law is selling. So to millions of Americans, I mean, my constituents, I was home all weekend, I got an earful about this. They're very concerned about that. Subpart E of that federal regulation says an employee of the executive branch is discouraged from encouraging con engaging in conduct that's likely to affect the financial interest of someone close to them. Your, your son-in-law, your daughter, uh, clearly meets that definition. And, and so the question is, uh, did, did you follow that regulation? Did you have the appropriate agency ethic official look into this? Did you seek guidance as the federal regulation requires? 
This memorandum is aimed at violence and threats of violence. Understand that, but did you see, excuse me, did you seek ethics counsel before you issued a letter that directly relates to the financial interest of your family? Yes or no? This memorandum does not relate to the financial interests of anyone. It's a th- it's against. I take that as a no. I take that as a no. Memorandum is against violence and threats of violence. I will, will you, Mr. Attorney General, will you commit to having the appropriate ethics designee review the case and make the results public? This memorandum is aimed at violence and threats of violence. I understand your talking point. You're not answering my question, Mr. Attorney General. With all due respect, will you submit to an ethics review of this matter, yes or no? There is no company in America or hopefully no law-abiding citizen in America who believes that threats of violence should not be prevented. There are no conflicts of interest that anyone could have. According to you, but sir, with due respect, that's the purpose of the federal regulation. We need objective third parties to review our activities. You don't get to make that decision yourself. It doesn't matter. You're the top, you're the chief law enforcement of this country. This raises questions in the minds of millions of Americans, and your impartiality is being called into question. Why would you not submit to a simple ethics review of that? I am exquisitely aware of the ethics requirements. But you're not following them. I have followed them and lived with them for the last 25 years. Did you seek an ethics review of this or not? I'm going to say again, there are no conflicts of interest involved when the Justice Department... Okay, okay. According to you, I got that. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you are not respecting our rules, our constitutional norms, and the federal law that directly applies to your activities. That was Congressman Mike Johnson grilling Attorney General Merrick Garland. Now, if you're confused, the issues in Loudoun County are the issues around the country. It's not only the transgender rules about bathroom and dressing and all of that. It's teaching critical race theory and many other things. But those are the two hot points in Loudoun County. And where Merrick Garland is concerned, his son-in-law has a company that works with Loudoun County, among other school boards, about critical race theory and also advises school boards, and that's the conflict of interest. So then the attorney general now is coming, you know, after Loudoun County, uh, talking about the FBI investigating these uh, potential domestic terrorists who happen to be parents who are coming to school board meetings, like a dad whose girl was raped in the bathroom and was arrested. Is that who they're going to aim their fire at? And he deserves every bit of the hot seat that he gets and that he's going to get this week in the Senate. Let me go back to a few more details in Loudoun County. Uh, Loudoun County now we know, uh, remember the superintendent claimed he didn't know there was some assault in the bathroom, and I believe the school board also denied knowledge, and now we know that that's just not true. As a matter of fact, the superintendent, the night that the girl was raped by the transgender boy in the bathroom, sent an email to the entire school board. Uh, so that's a, that was an abject lie, and so people in Loudoun are just really angry as well they should be. And that falls also on this other issue that I don't think I've mentioned, and that is there was a law passed uh, by Virginia Democrats last year that exempts public school officials from reporting certain sexual crimes to the police. Uh, Now, here's the thing. Uh, There is an election coming up November the 2nd. There's an election, uh, as you know, between uh, for the governor's race, but there are other elections as well. For instance, it was called House Bill 257, the one that made uh, exempted public school officials for reporting these sexual crimes. Republican Nick Clementi is running to unseat Democratic State Delegate Wendy Guditis, who cast the tie-breaking vote on House Bill 257. 
Nick Clemente, the Republican, called Gudaitis's vote reckless and said he hoped voters will help Democrats responsible, hold Democrats responsible for fostering an unsafe school environment. He said, while the attacks that occurred in Loudoun County Public Schools were felonies that still required reporting, Gudaitis's reckless vote sent a message to victims that they're being groped, molested, or abused isn't as important as it was a couple of years ago and tells potential predators that consequences have been diminished. And so uh, that's, uh, again, that's Republican candidate Nick Clemente, who's challenging the Democratic tie-breaking vote caster, Wendy Gudaitis, on that House Bill 257. And then also, there were some other sponsors. Mike Mullen was the Democrat Democratic bill sponsor. There were six Democratic colleagues who also co-sponsored that bill. Uh, Jordan Gray is running against Mike Mullen. Jordan is the Republican. He called out Mike Mullen uh, and said, as a teacher, that's Jordan Gray, I'm shocked and horrified by the news coming from Alton County. This form of abuse must not go unchecked, which is why I'm calling on Delegate Mullen's resignation for his sponsorship of House Bill 257. He must answer for his failures and resign immediately. So, um, And then Glenn Youngkin held, held a big rally this week, and he's talking about investigations into what happened with critical race theory. There's more to say about that. Barack Obama has been campaigning for Terry McAuliffe. Terry is the um, candidate, the Democratic candidate. He's the one who said that parents... I shouldn't have a say about what's taught in schools. Remember that famous clip? Youngkin is on the warpath about that, uh, saying absolutely parents should. And so they are tied. I think the race is like 40, something like 44 to 44, uh, statistically tied. And so um, I have all I can say about that is that means um, we know how cheating happens. And when the race is that close, makes it very, very difficult for Republicans and conservatives to win. And I say that not as a demotivator, but as a motivator uh, for people who are concerned about these issues in Loudoun County and in Virginia and in Texas, by the way, who has an election on November 2nd. Also, there is a proposition on religious freedom protection uh, based, uh, versus public health on not uh, the government not being able to shut down churches. Uh, they, there are also lots of school board positions uh, coming up at Texas and local um, municipalities. So those of you in Texas need to be uh, paying attention to that too. Pastors, but the Texas Pastors Council is a great source of information on that. So there you go. That's the opening. <laughs> We're just getting started. <laughs> Stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. A teenage jihadist comes to Christ. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and I met young Ahmed when I visited the Middle East. His father died fighting for ISIS, his mother was an extremist, and young Ahmed was going to be a suicide bomber by killing himself and others being sold out to violent Islam. Now, his mother and siblings, they came to Christ, they prayed nonstop for his salvation, and when it came, he was beaten nearly to death by extremists. And when I caught up with him several villages over, I asked, Ahmed, what's your Bible mean to you? And he said, I can look here and see where Jesus says they'll hate you, because they hated me and where Jesus says I'm with you always. Now listen, having a Bible it meant everything to him and gave him perspective and his prayer was for believers there who need God's word to endure and persevere. And I said, Ahmed, those Bibles, they're coming. Bible League invites you to send God's word to Bibleist believers around the world in our campaign The World Needs the Word at only $5 a Bible, every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org Org. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Christopher Grady, a four-star admiral in the United States Navy. He leads several naval commands, including the U.S. Fleet Forces Command and the U.S. Naval Forces Northern Command. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, reminds us of the qualities we look for in a leader. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Admiral Grady as he leads the men and women under his command. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu. President Biden says any first responder who refuses to get vaccinated should be fired. That bombshell dropped during a CNN town hall meeting. In recent days, hundreds of police officers and medical professionals have either resigned or been fired. New York City ordered all government workers to either get the jab or get a new job. Last year, the White House celebrated those same doctors and nurses and police officers as heroes. But last year's heroes have become this year's villains. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot accused police officers of inducing an insurrection. Many police departments are fighting back, filing lawsuits and staging sick outs. This as the number of vaccinated Americans who have been infected with the virus continues to rise. Which leads me to the most important question of the day. What is it about the vaccine and the virus that the medical professionals are not telling us? Subscribe to my daily podcast for free at ToddStarns.com. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I bet they didn't teach critical race theory until they went to like law school or something. That's right. I sure hope not because I'm not certain seven-year-olds need to learn it. I grew up in segregated Birmingham, Alabama. Mm -hmm. My parents never thought I was going to grow up in a world without prejudice, but they also told me that's somebody else's problem, not yours. You're going to overcome it. I would like black kids to be completely empowered to know that they are beautiful in their blackness. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, I don't have to make white kids feel bad for being white. So somehow, this is a conversation that has gone in the wrong direction. We teach the good and we teach the bad of history. But what we don't do is make seven and 10 year olds feel that they are somehow bad people because of the color of their skin. That doesn't seem to be part of the plan. Oh, it is part of the plan. That was Condoleezza Rice. I mean, she was on The View, and she did an incredible job. Uh, I just thought it was amazing, and I wanted you to hear it. Uh, that's, again, she's talking about critical race theory, and certainly she, you know her story. She told part of it. She grew up in a very segregated South, and she, was, she knew exactly what it was like to be the object of real racism 
Uh, and uh, she talks, you know, and she's achieved so much, you know, Russian linguist, a concert pianist, a secretary of state to a president. It's just pretty amazing. And so, um, um, so all right, I want to talk about something else. I've got. <laughs> you, does it surprise you that I want to talk about something else? I do want to give you just a little follow-up. I didn't give as good a follow-up as I wanted to. Uh, there is an, an election uh, November the 2nd in Texas. Texas Pastors Council is the council that I meant to mention. Texas Pastor Council, they have a, they're have a great resource for what's happening and who's running and, and uh, just some good advice. I trust those guys. Dave Welsh is a, just a, a champion. And so um, that's that. And then um, for you in Loudoun County, there is an organization called fightforschools.com. I know actually it might be from other schools too. I'm not sure that it's just the, the article I have here is about Loudoun, but fightforschools.com. It's a great organization. They're doing everything they can. And then there is Parents Defending Education, another organization that's all over this. So if you want to get involved, uh, that's the way you can do it. This is one of those days, again, when you need pencil and paper. I hope that you are busy writing things down because, you know, it's hard to find them later. It's uh, fightforschools.com and Parents Defending Education and Texas Pastor Council. Okay? Those are my suggestions for resources. All right, so um, there was a town hall with your president, Joe Biden, and uh, Anderson Cooper spent some time talking to him last week. Perhaps you saw it. We're going to play just a few of the clips and let you hear what President Biden had to say. Now, remember that uh, before we play this, that policemen all over the place and first responders are under the gun to get this vaccine, or they are going to lose their jobs. I just read an article about uh, in South Florida, uh, the first responders are saying it's causing such unrest that people are, there's like 500 people in that uh, particular area who are first responders who don't want to get the vaccine. And they're very upset about it. And one of the things they said is they, they are responding to emergencies all the time where people are having uh, reactions from the vaccine, and that's one of the reasons they don't want to have it. But they said it's causing tremendous strife within their department, a lot of anger, you know, pitching the vaccinated against the unvaccinated, and uh, the stress, and then that some of them know that they may be losing their jobs, and they just say this, and they've had two suicides. This is the kind of thing that's happening. Okay, so given this, uh, here's Anderson Cooper asking President Biden how he feels about it. Let's listen. This is a busman's holiday for you guys having to come and hear me. <laughs> but thank you. Uh, Mr. President, let me ask you a follow about that. As, as many as, as one in three emergency responders in some cities like Chicago, Los Angeles, right here in Baltimore, are refusing to comply with city vaccine mandates. I'm wondering where you stand on that. Should police officers, emergency responders be mandated to get vaccines? And if not, should they be stay at home or let go? Yes and yes. Uh, By the way, I waited until uh, July to talk about mandating because I tried everything else possible. The mandates are working. All the stuff about people leaving and people getting it. You have you have everyone from United Airlines to Spirit. All these airlines are, we're not going to get all 96, 97 percent of the people have gotten the vaccine. All the talk about all these folks who are going to leave the military if they're, they're mandated. Not true. You got about a 90 some percent vaccination rate. 
I mean, so there's a, the idea is that, uh, look, the two things that concern me, one are those who just try to make this a political issue, freedom. I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. No, I mean, come on, freedom. Number one. Number two, the second one is that, uh, you know, the, the gross misinformation that's out there. Like what they're saying about my buddy Colin Powell, and he was my friend who passed away. Colin Powell was vaccinated, and he still died. Well, he knew he had serious underlying conditions, and it would be difficult. He clearly would have been gone earlier had he not gotten the vaccine, had he not gotten the, uh, the, the, the shots. But my generic point is there's so much misinformation. And you know what I find fascinating? I turn on Fox to find out how popular I am. <laughs> But I, How are you doing there? I'm doing very well. I think I'm at 3% favorable. But, but all kidding aside, one of the things I find, you realize they mandate vaccinations? At Fox headquarters. Yeah. I find that mildly fascinating. <laughs> mildly fascinating. Mildly fascinating. All right, so that's uh, pretty funny. Uh, you know, I always wonder what they give him before he does these things. It's because you've seen him in other settings where he can't string two words together. He can't remember anything. And so he comes out and he's cogent, you know, with Anderson Cooper, at least in that exchange. So you wonder what they're giving him. And my husband quipped, you know, and I guess quip is not the right word, but freeformed, uh, that, you know, it's probably something that is very expensive and no one else can get. I mean, can you imagine the number of people who are having memory loss, Alzheimer's, whatever, diagnosis, dementia, who would give anything to have medication to make them be able to think clearly? But he's obviously something's happening. So I just ha- it just defies uh, nature that he would have these moments. And when he has these cogent moments, he's always mean. He's full of sarcasm and meanness. And I will just go back and just talk about this a little bit. So he's asked if first responders and policemen should be vaccinated and if they should be fired if they're not. And he says yes and yes. Yes and yes. I just told you about the strife, the angst, people losing their jobs, the lack of compassion, the unthoughtfulness, the uncaring, the ungratefulness of him is amazing. And so, um, and then he says, I waited until July to start to, I waited, I was patient. I remember he said in another uh, interview, my patience is wearing thin. You know, I waited until July to talk about mandates, and yes, he did. In fact, DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, uh, did a little riff on this where he reminded us that, why, yes, uh, Joe Biden was against mandates before he was for them. Let's listen to clip five. This would have been something we would have done last legislative session. If if I honestly thought it was going to, this would be something that would get this far, we would have made it a big priority. But I didn't think that this was something, because even Biden, remember, he said we would never mandate it. Remember he said that? We would never mandate it. That's what he said. And now he's in a situation where he's he's uh, flip-flopped on that and is now... De- Fauci said you never mandate, originally. Fauci said you can't mandate. Now Fauci is saying to mandate it. And so these guys are flip-flopping on this, and I think it's wrong. Now, as we bring the legislature back to provide protections for Floridians for their jobs, I think it's also important that we fortify uh, parents' rights related to some of the things that we've been seeing going on. We've been winning these cases in court. Uh, and we'll win on the, in the First Circuit DCA with respect to the Parents' Bill of Rights. But if you look at how that was drafted, 
it wasn't drafted with the idea that you would have subordinate government agencies just totally flout the law. Yeah, so we got a little bonus there with what he's planning on doing. They're going to have a legislative session. And I'm going to talk more about Florida and Ron DeSantis in a few minutes. But uh, the point there was that he's reminding us of how Fauci flip-flopped and how, you know, uh, Joe Biden flip-flopped. Oh, no mandates. No, no, we won't do that. See, it's all a bait and switch. You have to know that this is somebody's up to something. Honest people with your best interest at heart don't operate like this. They don't trick you. They don't pull you into a snare where you rush out to get a vaccination only to find out that it does not protect you from COVID. In fact, it makes you more vulnerable, especially to the new variants that are coming out, which I'll talk about, I hope, in a second. Uh, people who've been vaccinated are now at more risk, I think, that, I think no doubt, uh, than people who have natural immunity. But I'll come back to that, too. And so then in this exchange with Anderson Cooper, President uh, Biden says, uh, mandates are working, and he smiles. They're working. Now, is he saying you think that people's lives are being saved because these mandates that he's put in place are working? Is he saying... Um, COVID has been eradicated because it's working. Did he mean, is that what he meant when he said working? Oh, no, no. What he meant was that we have been able to successfully force, coerce, threaten people with their jobs and their livelihood and their future, their ability to eat, their ability to buy groceries, uh, to go to the theater, to have freedom. We've successfully threatened and conjoled and made their lives miserable enough that they're working. They're working, and he's so happy about the fact that his mandates are working. So um, he's celebrating, uh, you know, the control of lives and how easily people are being forced to comply. I think that's what he's celebrating. And he's, he feels very, very empowered by that. And then he went on to say, uh, we, the problem is they're making this a political issue. They're saying, I have freedom. You know, I have freedom. I have the freedom for my COVID to kill you. Ha, 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 laugh trap. The last time I checked, uh, Democrats and Republicans living in this country want to live free, and they don't want to be made to do things. Right now, I know a lot of people on the left are happy to comply because they agree because they don't know any better. That's the honest truth. They just don't understand. If they did, they would not be complying. Uh, but most people want to be. There's nothing to be mocked about being wanting to be free. There's nothing wrong with that. But no one made this political until Let's see, I remember Kamala Harris uh, saying early on when President Trump was the one pushing for the early approval of these vaccines so that we could save lives because early in last, what, you know, early in 2020, we didn't know what the outcome of this was going to be. We saw these pictures of people dropping dead in China, and there was tremendous fear, and he was trying to expedite these companies developing some sort of vaccine uh, to help, and that was the whole point. Ironically, Kamala Harris said she wasn't, if President Trump was behind it, there was no way she was going to take that vaccine. And she's not the only person who said that. She was the first person, though, I'll cite to make it really political. It's all about President Trump, not about saving lives. And there's no way she's going to take that vaccine. And then we had, we have still, uh, I think I don't hear it as much anymore, but that Trump supporters are the ones who don't want to get the vaccine. It's those Trump people. It's those Trumpers which is just so ironic since President Trump is the one who pushed for the vaccines. And uh, it probably is a lot of Trump supporters who are not getting vaccinated because they're not lemmings. 
they think that he probably made a bad judgment. And I personally think, I probably said this, but I should repeat, I think he was duped into uh, hiring Dr. Fauci. He's not a medical person. So he has to trust people around him to be reliable sources on their expertise. And I think people from New York, maybe even his children, talked to him, told him that Dr. Fauci was the gold standard. And I think he hired Dr. Fauci, and that was the beginning of a disaster. And so, um, and then he, try, he cites his buddy Colin Powell. They're trying to use Colin Powell for political purposes. He's my friend. You know, he had, he died of um, other complications. So, and if he hadn't had the both vaccines, he would have died sooner. Really? Do you think anybody really knows that? I doubt anybody really knows that. What I think happened in Colin Powell's case, honestly, I think his family rushed to make that statement that he died of complications from COVID because they were trying to solidify their... Uh, their view of the world right now in regard to COVID, that they wanted to uh, continue with the narrative that, of all things, Colin Powell, the great American hero, the general, died of COVID complications from COVID. They thought that would be the dramatic reporting, but what they didn't really think through was that he had been vaccinated, both vaccinations. It actually proves the opposite point. And it's ironic that he should have died according to his family, of complications from COVID at a time when the Pentagon is pushing a military men to be vaccinated, claiming to all of us that it's going to make our fighting force more healthy. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm sorry. I'm a skeptic. And then I want to also tell you a couple of other things here. The Wuhan Institute of Virology, now we know, did manipulate a coronavirus to generate 10,000 times the viral load violating provisions of its National Institutes for Health, NIH, contract that forbade unregulated research that could make a disease significantly more dangerous or transmissible. We know that because the NIH finally admitted uh, that they had funded this research in Wuhan. And remember, uh, Dr. Fauci said, oh, that under oath, he claimed he did not do that. He claimed he was not responsible. He did not do that. And now we know he did do that. And so... Uh, Rich, Rich, Rick Grinnell, who was the former ambassador to Germany, uh, said, tweeted, Fauci lied under oath. Do something about it, Congress. And uh, the problem is Dr. Fauci uh, stood to have financial gain from that. So it sounds as though, just call me crazy, that they funded this research, created this incredibly strong strain by manipulating uh, the, the tissue and unleashed it on, uh, on humans. And that's what started all this, and Dr. Fauci funded it with the NIH. That's what that means. I'll be back. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. Christian parents are on the hook today because they have to identify the threats to the value system uh, that's being taught to their children in public schools. And their job is to protect their kids from these influences. Tune in for Family Talk with Dr. James Dobson. Weekdays at 6.30 a.m. and 9.30 p.m. on American Family Radio. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our program. God's blessings to you all. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Friday edition of Washington Watch, last week... The no more guy. tolerance for abusive actions by monopolies. But is it really just another power grab by the federal government? Parents are not happy 
with classroom indoctrination and the radical policies they're pushing. Washington Watch, weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its savor, how will it be seasoned? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Matt Walsh wrote a piece for the Daily Wire where he said, The contemporary American Christian is the most open-minded person to have ever existed. He's so open-minded, you can hardly tell he's Christian or has a mind at all. He has for a long time been open to the idea that marriage isn't permanent and sex isn't meant exclusively for marriage. He's basically open to whatever notions are popular. He is open, and where he is not open, he is silent. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. All for the sake of the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and let me tell you about Jaime. He's an itinerant pastor in Ecuador in Latin America. He'll travel days by foot, boat, and mule. He's been beaten by warlocks. He's been robbed of everything in his possession, and he suffered broken bones after falling 60 feet in the Andes Mountains. Now, what awaits him at the end of each trip? It's a thriving congregation of more than 100 believers where Christianity is fiercely opposed. And when I share Jaime's story and how he serves for the sake of the gospel, I recall Isaiah. 6-8. Whom shall I send? Who will go? And I believe this man is admirably answering that call and enduring more than most pastors ever will. And like others in the world where Bibles are desperately needed, Jaime is humbly asking us to send God's Word. Bible League invites you to send a Bible for only $5 every gift match regardless of size. Call 800-YES-WORD. 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D or click sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Last week, Dr. Lawrence Sellen, a retired combat army veteran, colonel, and experienced clinician, issued at the Gateway Pundit the latest of several ominous warnings about the Chinese Communist Party's bio-warfare program. Their central message, our most dangerous enemy's military doctrine, calls for the use of deadly viruses to achieve its goal of global domination. Dr. Sellen's new report says that a Chinese, quote, military-civilian fusion program launched in 2016 incorporated all Chinese universities, pharmaceutical companies, and civilian research centers like the Wuhan Institute of Virology into the people's liberation. Army's biotechnology warfare effort, unquote. We also had confirmed last week that Dr. Anthony Fauci has repeatedly lied to Congress about his ties to and monetary support for the work of such entities in weaponizing viruses. Our national security requires his immediate removal and prosecution for aiding and abetting our enemy and crimes against humanity. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. gathering in the streets to protest the mandates. Have you heard that? Oh, probably not, because we're supposed to believe that the entire world is rolling over and playing dead on this, right? Uh, figuratively speaking. And uh, for so for four months, uh, the people, the Italians, have been in the streets 
uh, protesting against the vaccine mandates, just so that you know that. But they're not the only ones. As a matter of fact, uh, let me just tell you, Australia, of course, has just really been, it's been horrendous what they've been doing to their people. It really is. And so in Queensland, I think it's Queensland, uh, they have, you know, they started building these quarantine camps where they were going to, like, send people that weren't, you know, vaccin- uh, involuntarily send people if they didn't want to be vaccinated. And so now the uh, 70% of this population now has been vaccinated. That's in um, Queensland, Australia. And the cases are going down. Uh, and so an official was asked, then what are you going to do with those quarantine camps? And this is what she said. Your hotel, your um, quarantine facility that you announced uh, that will be built, I think, what, in the middle of next year. Do you still need that? Um, I think regional quarantine facilities are going to be needed into the future. We can't predict what's going to happen, but there may be a country that's declared a a red spot or a a no-go zone area, and we may need to bring back people from those different countries, and they'll need to be charted in. It's no different to what we saw uh, what we have seen during this pandemic. Uh, we'll also need it for unvaccinated people. Quarantine facility that you announced uh, that will be built, I think, what, in the middle of next year. Do you still need that? Um, I think regional quarantine facilities are going to be needed into the future. I think that's uh, a repeat. We'll also need it for <laughs> unvaccinated people. Yeah, she just people. said that. So, uh, all right, so you heard what she said. No, we, I think we're going to need them. Uh, I, think, I think we're going to need it. We might need them for unvaccinated people. This is the creepy thing. And there have been stories of... These quarantine centers being built in Washington State, and that's the only state I know for sure. Uh, so um, it's the totalitarians who are having such such success with people folding and caving. You know, are they're bloodthirsty? It's maybe not blood they're getting, but they're getting. They're just thrilled by the power they they've been able to obtain. Just like Joe Biden a few minutes ago talking about the. The mandates are working. The mandates are working. People are rolling over and playing dead so easily. It's just amazing. Isn't it wonderful to watch? And so um, here is the latest on COVID from my understanding. There is a new variant uh, that's breaking out. Uh, There's some reported in the United States, but there's some overseas, and they say that they think it's worse than the Delta variant in terms of its strength and power. So I want you to hear, uh, now just stay with me here. This is Dr. Aaron Cariardi, and he has a comment on uh, how he thinks it's going to affect people. And I want you to listen to it. This is clip 16. I think there will be subsequent waves. We'll get another wave this winter. Uh, Hopefully it will um, be less severe than what we saw with the Delta variant. But the answer to your question really depends on the nature of the new variants that emerge. So if we get a new variant and there's evidence that there are a few variants out there that could escape vaccine immunity, um, there's no evidence that they will escape natural immunity because natural immunity is, is broader. We make antibodies against many different parts of the virus with natural immunity, whereas the vaccines just uh, cause our body to produce antibodies only to one part of the virus, the, the spike protein. So if that spike protein Uh, mutates or evolves such that it can escape vaccine immunity, then that may set us up for another serious wave where uh, those who have been vaccinated, sad to say, may be uh, at risk of getting getting a a so-called breakthrough infection. 
Dr. Aaron Cariardi. And I think to explain this as best I understand it as a non, non-medical person, a non-scientist, is that the vaccine that everyone is getting, and we've talked about this before, replaces your natural immunity system with something else. And it is geared and designed to treat one particular strain of COVID. And as the variants come in, it, it, the, it, your natural immunity is not working because it's been replaced. So people who have natural immunity, who've had COVID, your natural immunity system will, it will shift whatever it needs to shift to fight the new variant. And that's what he's talking about. I'm telling you, this is just, this is twisted. It's just horrible. Really, it is. And I understand why people who are vaccinated don't want to talk about this, and I don't want to talk about it to them. I, I, don't, I don't relish those conversations. This makes me sick in the pit of my stomach. Um, but the, the hope for this is all of these um, medicines that are available, whether it's ivermectin or monoclonal antibodies or all these other things that ha- are effective treatments. And Dr. Russell Zadarsky had a comment on that about um, how the powers that be, these these guys who are so happy about mandates and uh, their uh, gain of power over people worldwide, are resisting other medicines. Let's listen to clip 17. I think there will be subsequent waves. We'll get another wave this winter. Uh, hopefully, it will um, be less severe than what we saw with the Delta variant. But the answer to your question really depends on the nature of the new variants that emerge. So if we get a new variant, and there's evidence that there are a few variants out there that could escape vaccine immunity, um, there's no evidence that they will escape natural immunity because natural immunity is, is broader. We make antibodies against many different parts of the virus with natural immunity, whereas the vaccines just uh, cause our body to produce antibodies only to one part of the virus, the, the spike protein. So if okay, that spike I think protein... we've heard that a um, couple of times, actually. So do we have Dr. Russell Zadarsky, Adam? Okay. Well, his point is, if maybe we'll play it tomorrow, is that uh, they are resisting all of these medicines that will actually treat the virus. They're resisting them. And we know this, and but I just wanted you to hear what he had to say about it. We'll talk about that later. Now, there's an interesting article uh, that came my way. <laughs> it actually came uh, within a tweet, and the tweet is by Mark, uh, Mark Walk, who I don't know, but someone that I know knows him. Pity the Irish. Um, and uh, his opening statement here is, The Irish followed the rest of the West down the road of societal decline, and now they're in a dilemma. Their only consolation is that other countries in the liberal West will find themselves in a similar bind in the not-too-distant future if they continue on the COVID course. And here's the commentary that I want to get to by Jack Cashel. It's Irish quandary. Who to blame when everyone's vaxxed? No one seems curious about the prevalence of the disease in an almost fully vaccinated population. Blame is the lifeblood of liberalism. Without the plausible ability to cast blame for all societal imperfections on others, Liberalism loses its raison d'etre. The COVID regime looked to be its crowning achievement. The enslavement of entire populations, excepting, as usual, the liberal elite. As usual, the liberal rulers would exempt themselves from all consequences while blaming others. The plan, as we've seen, has been to blame the unvaxxed, a pandemic of the unvaxxed. And that's the warning light flashing from Ireland. What if there are no unvaxxed? 
or the population, or up till now, totally sheep-like, starts assigning blame. He goes on to say, In the Republic of Ireland, health officials are running out of people to blame. This has become embarrassingly obvious in County Waterford. As reported in the Irish Times, the nation's establishment newspaper, two of three most COVID-infected electoral areas in Ireland are located in the county, quote, with the highest rate of vaccination in the country, end quote. In Waterford, a remarkable 99.7% of adults over the age of 18 is fully vaccinated. Embarrassed by Ireland's traditional Catholicism, the nation's media and government elites have been busily importing the whole enchilada of woke values concocted in the U.S. and codified in the EU. Unrestricted sexual freedom, radical feminism, gay rights, divorce, alternative family structure, gay marriage, thoughtless immigration, anti-Americanism, and now... COVID mania. According to data published on October 21st, Waterford City South has the nation's highest 14-day incidence rate of COVID. Um, and that, uh, so it says that there, um, anyway, goes on to talk about the stats on that. And then that leads to an Alex Berenson report. Alex is the former New York Times reporter that I quote a lot. I think he's one of the best writers on this. He says Lithuania has uh, vaccinated 75% of its adults and instituted a very strict vaccine pass program, but you can imagine now Lithuania has high rates of COVID. So what's going on with that? I also want to point out to you, that reminds me of Israel. We've talked about them a lot. Switzerland. What's happening in Switzerland? Anybody know? Well, no, I don't, because Switzerland had these huge... You know what? Actually, I'm playing the wrong clip. I want to talk about Australia. I just played for you that Australian who... uh, uh, said that they're going to Im- continue these quarantine camps, you know, for people that won't get vaccinated. And so the Australians, these poor people in Australia who are being beaten down so badly, are still out in the streets. Let's listen to them. This is clip nine. And you know what? how, how the media reported that in Australia? They reported that it was a gathering of close to 50 Nazi white supremacists gathering in Perth to cause havoc and distraction and break down all lockdown laws, and they were being very aggressive to passersby and police. I'm watching the video, and of course it's not true, and certainly there are more than 50. There are probably, I don't know, a few thousand, I'm guessing, by looking at this picture in Australia. So people are fighting back. And even in Switzerland, where, you know, they're not supposed to have a view, opinion about anything, they're fighting back also. Uh, they have what they're, call, what they're calling a health pass that they're trying to implement in the population. Let's listen to the Swiss. Here's their protest. Clip 10. down a little bit while people listen. As you watch the video of this, there are just thousands and thousands of people in this plaza. And I, I can't make out everything, but there are signs, and it just gets louder and louder. And so the people in the Swiss are rising up too. Isn't that something? And you're not hearing about that. You're just not hearing about it. So don't think that you're alone. You're not alone. Um, and so that's it. Anyway, it goes on. We'll go on to something else. I, I wanted to tell you that uh, there there's a, a arrest Fauci is trending on Twitter. 
And here's the interesting thing. Uh, we are learning now that not only uh, did he authorize uh, this gain-of-function research, which made the COVID strain thousands of times more virulent, uh, which is what's been unleashed upon the world. That was American taxpayer dollars that did that under the direction of Dr. Fauci, although he says he didn't. We know that he did. And so, uh, but there's another part to this that's really got people steamed. Are you ready? They did, according to this, the Daily Mail, I think, is the one that broke this. Um, Dr. Anthony Fauci is facing calls from a bipartisan group of legislators to respond to allegations that his National Institutes of Health division provided a grant to a lab in Tunisia to torture and kill dozens of beagle puppies for twisted scientific experiments. There's a letter that went to him from South Carolina Representative Nancy Mace and 23 colleagues addressing their grave concerns about reports of costly, cruel, and unnecessary taxpayer-funded experiments on dogs. Uh, I think it amounted to dogs being, those beagles being locked into cages with hungry sand flies so that the insects could eat them alive. And so um, now people are upset about that, and I'm glad they're upset about that. I don't think animals should be mistreated either, but I find it interesting that I, t- I mentioned to this, this to you probably two weeks ago that the NIH under Dr. Fauci was authorizing, has been authorizing experiments on babies, unborn babies. Uh, I, I saw one picture, and I told you about this, where they had grafted hair of, of a baby. They took the scalp of a, of a baby, an unborn baby, and grafted it on top of, of, a, of a rat. And they showed a picture of the rat with the baby's hair growing on it. <clears throat> to me, this is just, this is Mingala. I said this before, it's Mingala. But if it takes puppies to get people upset, then fine. But something dark and sinister is happening. We need to be aware and we need to keep fighting. Do not give up. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.